Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. Welcome to the Jennifer LeClaire Show. I'm interviewing some awesome guests and sharing personal insights along the way to stir your faith. Hope you enjoy it. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. Jennifer LeClaire here. You can see in the spirit. I want to invite you to take the Seer Activation Challenge. 30 days to clearer spiritual sight. I'm going to be on board doing Seer Activations with you, guiding you through biblical entryways and much, much more. You can opt to take the Seer Activation Challenge at tinyurl.com slash seeractivation tinyurl.com slash seer activation. You can also opt to get these three books, Seer Dimensions. You can get Power Seers. This just came out. Keys to upgrading your prophetic vision. And you can get Seer Activations with 101 Seer Activations and a whole lot more teaching. I want to challenge you to see what you've never seen before. God wants you to be able to see in the spirit. Open your eyes to the Seer Dimensions in Jesus' name. Tonight, it's time to press in to the prophetic. We are going to talk tonight about cultivating a prophetic anointing. And I've got someone here with me who knows all about that. As a matter of fact, he's having a conference about uh, the prophetic called Cultivate. And he'll tell you more about that later. He's got some great guest speakers. But in the prophetic, and I want you to share this with anybody and everybody that you believe needs to hear this, because the prophetic is vital to the Lord's work to the kingdom of God. You know, where there is no prophetic voice, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no voice, people begin to lose constraint. The prophetic is vital today, just as it was in the days of John the Baptist or in the days of Ezekiel or all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to Moses. The prophetic is vital. You know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that word proceeds is the perfect present tense. It means the word that proceeds keeps on proceeding, the ever proceeding word from God's mouth. And so I know I'm preaching to the choir here. If you're watching me, you probably already understand how much the church and the world needs prophetic voices today. The question is, how do we cultivate that? How do we become more accurate? How do we navigate prophetic realms? And with me tonight is Ryan Johnson. He is a a very accurate, very holy prophet, very serious about what the Lord says. You won't see him out there willy-nilly prophesying. He's not money-driven. He is spirit-driven. And I want Ryan to come on and say hello. Tell him a little bit about your ministry, where you're based, your website, First of all, thank you so much for having me on this. I sincerely appreciate you and what you're doing 
for the body of Christ. Um, for those of you that may not be familiar with me, again, name is just Ryan Johnson. I'm from Fort Payne, Alabama, northeast corner of Alabama, real rural area. Uh, but I've been serving the Lord now for over 21 years, uh, really been understanding and walking the identity of the prophetic for a number of years now and doing what we can to help bring purity in prophetic words, in prophetic people, and in prophets. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big dispersity sometimes. A lot of people get confused because they're prophetic, and they automatically think they're prophets, and then there's prophets that necessarily aren't very prophetic. You know, they're, they're more of exhorters or encouragers and stuff. So we've spent a lot of time trying to do that. But if you want to learn more about us, our website is just my name, ryanjohnson.us, ryanjohnson.us. You can find out a little bit about us. You can see the, some of the stuff that I write, some of the things that you know we have in ministry, some of the places that we're going, and and follow us on every kind of social media as well through that website. Amen, amen. You know, I love what you said about how some prophets are not really as prophetic, and and it's really important. I want to say this out of the box. So I was talking with a prophet just maybe an hour ago, and this one was telling me, "Well, I don't really feel like I'm walking." in the office of a prophet. And I said, well, you know, John the Baptist, the only thing he ever prophesied about was the coming of the Lord. That's all he did. He baptized people. He spent his whole life in the wilderness. He was called in that Kairos moment to come out and make the path straight for the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't have a fancy ministry. There was no flash, no glitter, no glimmer. Uh, he ate locusts and honey, and he was dressed in uh, camel's hair. And so, you know, no two prophets are alike. No two prophetic voices have the same, same sound. There are similarities, of course, but there are some people who are average, you know, lay believers. They don't hold an office, and sometimes they seem more prophetic than prophets until you understand understand the many, many, many various uh, functions and expressions of the prophet. And so you and I, for example, we're very, very different. We believe the same. We have complete unity and congruency in, in what we believe. I mean, on at least major stuff, but we haven't discussed every aspect of everything in life, but mm -hmm. we have, we have agreement, but you flow differently than I flow. I'm more da, 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 and you're, you're more of a thinker. You, you, you release more like Dutch sheets, more slowly, more uh, intentionally. And I'm sort of like popcorn. I'm just like all over the place, <laughs> but that doesn't, it is it, it, six of one half dozen. The other is still the Lord. And, and that's how he moves. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, years ago I was at a conference and they had what's really become one of my favorite things is a, a roundtable Q&A. Mm. And they had three different individual speakers and one individual was just responding, pop, 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 pop. And the other individual that was catching my attention would put the microphone to their mouth and then they would just hesitate and they'd put it down and they'd put it back up and hesitate, put it down. And I began to ask the Lord, I said, what are they doing? Do they not know what to say? Are they are they trying to conjure up an answer? You know, what are they doing? And the Lord spoke to me and said, they're weighing the value of their words. And at the time, I really didn't understand what that meant. But I knew that I was too much like the other guy for me personally. I just was I wanted to. It was so important for me to have an answer. So I just wanted to rattle things off. And I began to listen to this gentleman and, you know, he's a lot older than I am. And I consider him, you know, uh, a general in our in, in our day and time. But uh, as I was watching, I was like, Lord, OK, what does it mean to weigh and value words and stuff? And so I began to realize and you go back and you read the book of Proverbs. You will not find a verse that says, you know, quote unquote, weigh and value the words in which you speak. But. The overall theme that you'll find in Proverbs is that words have weight and they have value. Yes. And it's one of those things where I started consciously making the decision to really think upon what I was hearing and then how to release that. And as it, it became something I just diligently began to work on and work on the one of the I guess you would say side effects to that was I process slowly. So I hear things and, and, and it's right. You know, I stand in the corner of a room and I'm, I'm sitting there and the wheels are turning, but they're not going as fast as everybody else's because I'm trying to break everything down and I'm trying to make sure, okay, Lord, this is what you're saying. This is how you're saying it. Do I say this now? And then how do I present this? Because everything that you hear 
you have to really analyze whether or not it's a corporate word, an individual word, whether it's a now word, whether it is something that if it is has to be in, in some form or fashion, a destructive but constructive word, what's the instructions afterwards? Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of times prophets prematurely release words that are destructive and they, they kind of sling out a constructive side to it, but there's nothing that's instructive a lot of times. And if you're not willing to really just listen to the Lord a lot of times on those words specifically, you'll leave people just making the same mistake over and over and over again. And so it's something that I've really, really worked hard on. But at the same time, I so greatly admire and respect individuals like yourself who are the polar opposite of me, because it's something that even though I'm not that way, I see value in it. And, and, and I have to sit back and I go, whoa, you know, that's amazing. You know, one of the ways that I always try to explain to people, I'm not much of a series preacher. You know, I've got friends that they pastor church and, and they, they're taking one subject for eight weeks. Yeah. And I think that's astonishing that they can do that. Can I do that? No, I could try and I could nail week one, but week two, <laughs> I'd be like squirrel and it, it would be over. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I'm more of a flow guy, but I can also see the value in how God has created the other individuals to function certain ways. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting, whether you're a prophet or you're a prophetic person, you know, Paul, the apostle said, it's not wise to compare. So we don't want to compare ourselves among ourselves, but it's, but it's, but it's interesting to denote the differences. And it, you know, I like to say this, you know, when you read the gospels, you'll see that, yes, the Holy Spirit inspired scripture, read the epistles, the Holy Spirit inspired all scripture. He, the Holy Spirit is the author of it. He worked through man, moved these holy men of God to write the scripture. But if you'll notice, he didn't uh, sort of strip the author's the human authors, those who he was uh, inspiring of their personality. You know, uh, you know, Luke spoke more like a doctor, you know, he, uh, greetings, Theophilus, you know, he was more formal. Paul had his way. He often relied on the scriptures from the Old Testament, the Hebrew perspective and, and understanding and, and Mark, his gospel, Mark's gospel is like fast paced, whereas Matthew went all the way through the genealogy. And I believe that had something to do with their bents, their interests, their personalities and how they were led to chronicle. God doesn't strip us of our personalities. I'm just fast. That, 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 that's who I am. Yes, I'm a thinker, but the Lord works in me to process something a lot faster, perhaps than somebody else. And so that's why we can't compare it for the sake of what is better. We can compare for expressing and appreciating differences because I love, I was in um, Kentucky where the Apostle Stidham's church there, uh, Ignite Church in Kentucky and Nicholasville. And I watched you prophesy over one of my intercessors, Michelle. And and I, I saw you, I saw that that spirit of prophecy come on you. Like you carry the gift, but I saw the unction. I saw the stirring. I saw that look in your eye that you get when you're beginning <laughs> to process because I've known you for so long. And I saw, and I said, I wonder who this word is for. And then I, I watched you even deliberately express what you were hearing in such a way um, that it could be fully absorbed. And, and that's how you flow. And I think that there's such value in that for people receiving and other people, you know, they need the word to be like a hammer. And so it's, it's like this. So it's different. It's different. But let's talk about this. Like when you came into prophetic ministry, we're talking about cultivating a pure prophetic anointing. How, how did, how did you, well, let me ask you, let me back up. Wait, why are you doing the Cultivate Conference? Why are you doing that? Because that, that's sort of part and parcel of what we're talking about. Why are you doing this Cultivate Conference? And when is it? Uh, we're doing the conference June 13th through the 16th in uh, Northeast Tennessee and uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And two years ago, the Lord began to give me this vision of what we're doing as far as cultivating prophetic ministry. Last year was our first year to host it. We hosted it in Chattanooga. You know, last year you were a part of that. Um, you help uh, us get Bishop Bill Hammond, who is the, you know, the father really of the modern prophetic ministry and stuff. But the the vision, the heart behind this is I I see a lot of naturally I see a lot of error in modern prophetic ministry, but I also see a lot of great in modern prophetic ministry. 
And it's, it's that unique balance that we have to bring forth. And the only way that we can really bring forth is, is to really go back and cultivate what is known as hard ground. You can't ever plant a seed unless ground has been cultivated. And so prophetic ministry, as as advanced as what we are right now in our day and time, it's still in a lot of areas, it's hard ground. That's right. And you have to go back and you can't. One of the things that I got to noticing is we are a, a, a people, a generation right now to where we value, we evaluate, quote unquote, good words based off of false identities. Mm. And it, it's an it's an odd concept that we we will determine something to be true by first recognizing what is wrong. Uh, you know, you don't hear many people that talk about authentic prophets, but you hear a lot of people that talk about false prophets. That's right. We don't hear about uh, ministries that are doing good with finances, but we hear a lot about ministries that are abusing finances. Mm. So how do we how do we bring this back into order? Well. When I begin to see the vision of what the Lord was wanting to do, I love conferences. Do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. I think it is phenomenal that you grab a group of people together, you know, and you just begin to just bring this unity in the atmosphere. You're worshiping, you're, you're getting the word, you're getting that and so on and so forth. But a lot of conferences, what is happening is we're getting the excitement And we're getting the moment, but we're not getting the encounter that launches the momentum. Wow. And it's one of the things that I begin to take a step back and go, what are we what are we missing? Not necessarily what are we doing wrong, but what are we missing? I I, I don't know how to uh, look at this and how do we fix this and stuff. So I actually went back and I began to study again. uh, You know, in the school of prophets and stuff and everything. And one of the things that I began to recognize is you have a lot of prophetic people right now that are releasing a lot of prophetic words, but you don't have many prophets who are taking the time to actually teach the word of God. That's right. And it's like something jumped out and caught my attention. And so how the prophetic cultivation came to be is we wanted the the, the conference. We wanted the worship. We wanted the prayer. We wanted the, you know, the ah, that you get in conferences and stuff and that unity. But we had to come up with some kind of format that we we would go back to, you know, I hate to sound old school, but thus saith the Lord. What does the word actually say? Because if we go back and study the school of the prophets, it was very instructional. It was studious. You know, Ephesians 4, as great as it is to recognize the apostles, the prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. I think sometimes we, what that is really saying when it says they are for the equipping of the saints. But what has happened in a lot of circles, we're no longer equipping the saints. We're equipping those in the identity of, quote unquote, an office. Mm. And it's flipped. And so, you know, how do how do we correct this? How do we how do we turn the ship around? So it really comes down to, okay, we got to we got to take a step back and we've got to plow into the word and we've got to break that hard ground. Right now, the only way we can do it is really putting our, our hands to a spiritual plow and digging into that hard ground through the teaching of the word. So one of the things that we've done with this conference is, you know, at night we've got the worship, we've got, you know, guest speakers and the prayer and everything's awesome. But during the daytime, we specifically have what we call the school of advancement. Now I love worship. I, I, I'm a huge fan of worship. I believe in the value of worship. But one of the things that can happen is when you create an atmosphere of worship with music, you can kind of get carried off for a little while. That's right. That's right. And and you can kind of get a little sidetracked. So what we do at the school is we take the worship out and we strictly make it. Let's get in the word. Let's what does the word say? What does the word say about apostles? What does the word say about prophets? What does the word say about the gift of prophecy? You know, most people. Honestly, they don't know the difference between the gift of prophecy and a prophet. That's a lot right. of people that are prophetic think that the prophets because they're prophetic, but they're not. Then you got these <laughs> these jacklegs running around claiming to be prophets, and they don't even pray. I, I don't even I, you know how you, how you even how can you even profess to be a prophet and not have a heart for prayer? Yes, that that's to me that's an oxymoron. But what it begins to tell me is. 
somebody's not teaching the word of God. That's right. Something somewhere along the way is missing. So we've got to reevaluate this in order to really turn this thing around so that we can see a pure prophetic movement. Amen. Wow. And that's what we really need because we have, you know, part of the fruit of the prophetic movement, which was, you know, really launched in the 80s, God began restoring the prophetic office at larger scale in the 80s, is that, you know, there was a, a, an equipping thrust. And so, you know, Bishop Hammond, for example, is, has activated like, I don't know, 50,000 people, probably, it's probably an understatement, thousands of thousands around the world in the prophetic. I think it's 350,000 people in the prophetic. And um, so, but then what happens is without further education, uh, we get an, an illumination, but we don't have enough revelation of who we really are. So we think we're a prophet because we prophesy, but it goes much deeper than that. So we want to cultivate a pure prophetic. It starts with understanding where we stand. Are we a prophet? Or do we have, see, there's three levels of prophecy. You can be a, a, a believer. All believers can prophesy the simple gift of prophecy according to the will of the Lord. But then there's some people who they're not prophets, but they are more prophetic than the average believer. They, they have cultivated a sensitivity to the Lord and they are trusted to release words, maybe at their church. They are in prophetic ministry. You can have a pastor who has a prophetic ministry. They're not a prophet, but they're a pastor. They're very prophetic. And then you have the office of the prophet of which a seer is part. But so, so the, the first step really in cultivating a pure prophetic is understanding who you are. Because if you think you're a prophet and you're not, then you are misrepresenting one of the ministries of Christ himself. And you are actually doing a disservice to the body of Christ because your joint is not supplying in the way that it should. I can't supply something I do not have. I cannot give you something I do not have. I cannot take you somewhere I have not been. I can teach you the principles, but I can't take you there. And so you have to understand, are you a prophet? And you know, that's, I've done Facebook lives on this. I've got YouTube videos on this ways to tell the making of a prophet. My book talks about how to tell if you're a prophet. Uh, uh, Ryan, maybe you can talk a little bit about how, how do you know if you're a prophet? Like, how did you know that you were a prophet? How did, how did you get that come into that identity? Well, it's interesting because I just had this conversation with someone um, Saturday, as a matter of fact. Someone had called me and they were asking, you know, similar questions and stuff. And they were having a lot of people that were coming up to them and they were saying, you know, you're a prophet, you're a prophet, you're a prophet. But nothing was registering with this individual and this individual is going, you know, I'm struggling in this. How do I how do I balance this out? What do I do? And I think a lot of times somewhere along the line, we really started to put an emphasis on confirmation. Now, just stay with me just for a minute before anybody gets ahead of me. I do not believe that it's wrong to have a confirmation. It is great to have a confirmation, but there are things that are going to come to your life that you don't always get a confirmation to. Yeah. In other words, if you get a, if someone prophesies something into you that you're currently not doing or have a desire of, that doesn't mean that's necessarily wrong because it could be something that is so far into your future and you're not doing it in the moment, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get that confirmation either. So there's, you know, there's going to be, you know, there was a generation that taught, oh, just put that word on the shelf. That's one of the <laughs> worst things that we can do. Yeah. Because we're not cultivating prophetic words over our lives. So I began to tell this person, I said, you know, I knew that there was something that was very peculiar about me, but I never could define what made me peculiar. I just knew that I saw things differently. I heard things differently. But my visionary and my ability to hear was more than my local community. Um, yep. It, it was it was beyond the current realm of where I was at. It was more international slash global in that in that realm. It's like you're looking at a group of people, but you're looking so far beyond that group of people. And it, a lot of times you're seeing in one dimension, but you're hearing and you're seeing in a multidimensional layer. Yes. Now that I know that's hard to explain and, and really get across, but there was this challenge. So. I was I was on staff at a church and even though I was not the senior pastor, everyone was calling me pastor and it irked me. I mean, it just <laughs> it they just something about it that bothered me. And I would say, don't call me pastor. That's the pastor. Um, just call me Ryan. But they were trying to be respectful. 
And I, you know, I was trying to be respectful of saying, you know, look, that's the pastor. Just call me Ryan. The problem was I couldn't explain why being called pastor bothered me at that time. I, I just I, I couldn't explain it. I didn't have a definition to what I was feeling in that moment. So a gentleman came along and we're at a dinner and somebody asked a question, you know, what does a prophet look like? What do they sound like? How do they act? What's their function? You know, it was every identity you could possibly put on a prophet. And it was the strangest thing because there was 13 pastors sitting at the table, including me. And when he got done with the description, the definition of a prophet, it was in unison. It was the strangest thing because it was so in unison that every one of those leaders at that table turned around and pointed at me and said, you just described him. Wow. Now, in one moment, everything that I was not having a definition for, I suddenly had a definition. But here's here's the thing. Even though I had a definition, it's not like I went, oh, okay, that's it. I'm a prophet. I knew that there had to be some really purging in understanding. So what I did was I went to this gentleman and I said, I, I know nothing. I wasn't raised in it. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't have no knowledge of it. But you've given me a light in the midst of a lot of darkness. Mm -hmm. Will you mentor me? Will you walk me through this process? So this gentleman mentored me for two years, not became my spiritual father or anything like that, mentored me for two years, asked questions. I dug, you know, I, I pray, what am I doing? How's this look like? Function, this and that. At the end of the two years is when I really went, oh, I'm a prophet <laughs> because what I had to do is I, I was I was reading one day the, the story of, you know, Elijah and Elisha. And I was always just kind of captivated by the fact that Elijah goes and throws his mantle on Elisha. Elisha runs, tells his parents, comes back. I mean, he goes to Elijah first and says, can I go tell my parents bye? And Elijah responds, what have I done to you? You know, I, I've always just been enamored with that. But, you know, eventually Elisha comes and serves Elijah. And that when I'm when I'm studying that years ago, I realized that a lot of people are so hungry for authentic authenticity of an identity that they try to be an Elijah before they're an Elisha. Ooh, that's good. And I, I, I wanted not to do that. I, I didn't go after, even though he defined something for me, I didn't want to go after that. I knew it was more important to be an Elisha to an Elijah. It was more important for me to grow in that and learn that in that process. Now, here's what I told that individual. So that individual went on and said, but what about all these words? Do you think I'm a prophet? That was that, was that person's word. And I said, I'm not going to tell you whether or not you're a prophet. And they they kind of just paused on the phone and they said, well, why not? And I said, what has God said? Mm. And they just kind of paused. And I said, listen, as easy it is for me to get it right, it's as easy as for me to get it wrong. And it would be an error because, number one, I don't have a relationship with you to know you well enough to be yeah. able to identify what is going on. Number two. You don't need a confirmation from man. You need an affirmation from God. Mm -hmm. You need God to speak to you. And in this process. So I said all that to say that's ultimately how even though he mentored me and he really just worked and worked and worked for me. There was a day that the Lord spoke to me and reminded me of a word when I was about 12, 13 years old. And I was just that's when it hit me that it was you know, God really spoke to me and said, this is that. But I think a lot of times people that they're, they're for whatever reason, there's a lot of individuals in the church. They long to be acknowledged. And sometimes they do it with the best of intention, but they prematurely set themselves up for failure. Yeah. And right. the one thing that I had a spiritual father actually tell me, the spiritual father said, you don't ever ever have to tell anybody who you are when your fruit can identify you more than your words can describe you. 
Mm. That became my goal. My goal was not to tell everyone I'm a prophet. My goal was you identify me. You see by the, the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm that I'm hearing or seeing. Well, how do you see that to be? Because here's the reality. I knew who I was. Yes. Come on. By that time, I knew who I was. So now you fast forward to all these years later, people to this day still call me pastor. But now it doesn't bother me. They call me evangelist. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, I have some people call me apostle. That doesn't bother me. I'm not correcting anybody anymore because I don't need you to validate an identity over my life because I've already been affirmed by the father who destined me and created me with a purpose long before I was ever in my mother's womb. That's where people have to, people are so, if I sign up and take this course, or if I do this, if I do yeah. that, by the end of that, I'm going to get this piece of paper. And I'm not against that stuff. Do not mention, I'm not against it. But if you're waiting on a piece of paper to validate you, you're missing it. I mean, yeah. everybody's been given a birth certificate, but you don't need a birth certificate to know that you're born. <laughs> That's good. You're born. I mean, you know that. You you know that that is a, that process. But but I know there's requirements is going to have that and stuff. But in in the kingdom, those things are very very valuable. I'm not discrediting them at all. But it's more important that you know from the Lord than it is to you hear from a man. That is really 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 good. And when the Lord called me into the prophetic, I I I heard from him actually. I, I had the same exact story in the beginning. I got saved. I realized, and it, I don't know how to best put this, but I realized that I was hearing at a deeper or a more accurate level than other believers, yet I had no training. It's a gift. It's, it's not, you see, I have to hear from the Lord for myself through relationship, but I hear from the Lord in the office of a prophet through the gift. It's him. Mm -hmm. It's a different dimension. And so I realized very early on, um, this is not, this is abnormal. This is supernatural. This is not the typical Christian experience to hear this much, this often about so many things that didn't even have anything to do with me. It wasn't just a personal thing. And then I began to read, as I'm sure you did, I think most young prophets did many years ago, Bishop Bill Hammond's books and really gave me language and that's why, listen, this is why books are so important. There's, there's still, in the grand scheme of things, not enough books on the prophetic. There's so many different perspectives. I know Ryan has a book coming out. Um, when is your book coming out? February 2020. Okay, February 2020. And what's it called? Uh, Contending for Your Miracles, what they just retitled it. Um, but it deals with aligning the prophetic with faith and it ultimately is why I believe a lot of people, they miss out on the fulfillment of prophetic words is because they don't sync faith with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming out. You can probably pre-order that um, as well. But, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I found confirmation through a book. Now, the Lord spoke to me and I'm like, I'm not really understanding what this is. He gave me a threefold witness, you know, voice crying in the wilderness through all these different uh, three, three times in the gospels that appears. He took me to all three scriptures just by random pointing of the finger. I was very young in the Lord. I was just brand new Christian. The Lord was telling me this is what I've put on you. Now, I didn't start walking in it right away. I didn't. I had to cultivate it. I had to cultivate that gift. I had to receive training. I had to get around mature believers. I had to get in the word. I had to spend time in prayer. I had to be purged and delivered of things because when I first got saved, here's the thing. Listen, when you get saved, if you get saved and you're a hundred pounds overweight, then the next day when you wake up saved, the first day as a Christian, you're still hundred pounds overweight. Most of the time, if you're a smoker, you're probably still going to be a smoker. It takes time for you to change Outwardly, all change begins on the inside. So I had to cultivate this gift. And now I'm going into nations, raising up prophets. You know, 20 years later, I'm going, I'll be in London actually. Um, just next week, I'll be in London at the School of the Prophets and Seers in London. Uh, check that out. If you email me, I'll tell you where that is or Facebook me. I'll be in South London. But who would have thought, you know, but that journey was a long, it was a long process. There's a making process for a prophet. There's a making process for the believer. You are being conformed to the image of Christ. Glory to glory, you're being changed. And so we have to understand that, you know, it's not about a title. For, for, you know, honestly, until just very, very recently, I didn't, nobody called 
called me by any kind of title. I was not, uh, I just, it was just me. It was Jennifer. I don't demand a title. I don't need a title. I think it's respectful to, you know, in church settings, we, we know if a pastor's a pastor, then what do you call the prophet? What do you call the apostle? Uh, so for so many years, uh, people just, we had the pastor and we had the evangelist and now we've opened that up. So I'm not against titles. I don't need one. People do call me. They call me different things too, Ryan. They call me, they call me uh bishop now. They call me bishop. And uh, yeah, as long as they don't call me grand poobah, I think I'll be all right. That would be offensive. You know, the grand poobah, I don't want to be grand poobah, but it's not about the title. It's about the fruit. And so you'll see the fruit of the prophetic in someone's life and you'll know them by their fruit. And that's not just false prophets because we have relegated that scripture many times. Well, you'll know the false prophet by their fruit, but you'll know the true by their fruit as well. And it's important that we are intentional. I've learned this in life, no matter what you're doing, if you're not intentional about it, it's not going to happen. I'm getting up at three 30 tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah, I heard somebody ugging with me. I'm getting up at 3.30. Why? I usually get up at 4. The Lord told me today, don't do any work. If I had not already scheduled this uh, uh, this broadcast with uh, Prophet Ryan, I would I would not have done it. But I'm, you know, I'm also a person of my word, so I kept it. But I pushed it back. We're going to do it at 3. The Lord said, do not work. I don't want you doing any work. I don't want you looking at email. I don't want you. I want you with me. And I want to reset your mind on some things for the next season. And I want to prepare your heart for what you're stepping into in Europe as you plant houses of prayer. And I want to show you some things about the warfare that you're dealing with and how to overcome it at this new level. And so I had to obey that. And so all of this is part and parcel of the prophetic person's walk, spending time with him, cultivating obedience, cultivating a prayer life, cultivating all these things. And when you put it all together, you become more like him. And whatever you're called to do, whether that's prophesying, building, evangelizing, raising a child, being a school teacher, you'll be better at it. Amen. Yeah, you know, because I'm in itinerant ministry as well. I always tell people, I don't care what you call me as long as you call me. <laughs> you know, so, um, but, you know, I also try to there, there's two sides of this coin is number one. I, I'm the same way. I, I don't people they social media, you know, hall monitors, they get on there and talk about you demanding the title. I've never demanded the title. Yeah, I don't request to be called anything other than Ryan. People ask, yeah. you know, what do you want to be called? And I said, Ryan, that's my name. Uh, so that's fine. And, and I get that people are trying to be respectful and honorable and all that and everything. But at the end of the day, ultimately, the only identification that's going to matter is whether or not you're a son of God. That's right. You know, when I went, when, even though I may be this in the fivefold, and even though I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm an uncle, you know, I'm a brother, I'm a son to my parents and all this other stuff, you know, Every bit of that is insignificant when I step into eternity and I face the father. The only thing that matters then is whether or not I'm a son. So, you know, there, there's there's that side of it. Then there's the other side that I, I do believe that there's certain areas that people do need to recognize individuals by what they're doing. Because one of the things that is happening to a lot of pastors, this is my opinion, no one has to agree with me, but why a lot of pastors uh, that are leading a congregation, they they suffer burnout and they, you know, they they get the pressure and so on and so forth is because they're having to perform in the expectation of a pastor, but really they may be an evangelist or they may be a prophet or they may be an apostle. But the congregation where they're at has this expectation of a certain thing. And when that individual does not fit that expectation, they become performers rather than reformers. That's good. And it's one of the things that is causing a lot of burnout. And I do believe that there's regions that we need to be able to identify people for who they are and what they can bring. Because, you know, one of the problems that I, I do have in, in is for example in in this nation now i know it it's probably a problem in some other nations as well but in this nation i can speak for sure you know you may go to a church and you may have a true pastor on staff and you have a prophet on staff and a prophet comes into a service and their mind seems like it's in another place to you they're not very friendly a lot of times they're not shaking your hands they're not asking you how you and your mom are doing and all this and everything 
Because a prophet goes into a service and their mind is not against you. Their mind is already geared in what God you are saying, what you want, what you might be doing, yep. what the purpose is in that moment. So they're geared totally different in this. But what happens is a lot of congregations begin to complain to the pastor and the pastor, you know, they go to the pastor and say, every time, you know, he comes by, he doesn't speak to me. He doesn't shake my hand. He doesn't do that. And then the pastor looks at that person and says, you know what? I'll fix it. Yeah. And then the pastor comes and tells the prophet, you need to be more like this and this <laughs> and this and that. Right. Well, then what, what really just happened right there? Well, if the, if the prophet comes and has to, you know, change at the request of the senior leader, then what happens is that individual now recognizes the power and authority that they have over the, the leaders of a house because they can complain about something and get results. Now, I'm not saying that leaders should be dictators or they should be controlling. But what I am saying is, what would it hurt for the pastor to look at that individual and say, you know what? They are a prophet. And you need to understand that they yeah. function different. That's right. It's nothing against you. They don't hate you. They don't, they're not mad at you. That they're they're geared different. I'm geared as a pastor to know how you or your family are doing, how the games went, how the school's going. They're geared in wondering what what the Lord wants for the service and this and that. If we do a better job of explaining identities, I believe we'll see more churches begin to process in a way that they should be able to function with actual uh, reproduction rather than just a copycat process. You know, yes. uh, you know, a lot of a lot of congregation are copying uh, certain individuals, but there's not they're not very reproductive. The mm -hmm. only way that we can really, truly be reproductive is that we recognize the difference. And we live in a culture where we're changing the differences. We're no longer calling male, male and female, female. We're calling it X and Y and this and everything like that. We're trying yep. to humanize everything. And that has infiltrated the church. We're trying to make everything because of a misquote that people misinterpret when Paul said, be all things unto all men. <laughs> they're, they're trying to make everyone the function the same way, look the same way, sound the same way. And we're really creating copycats. And that's why, and I can, I know I can say this and, and people's going to be upset because I don't pastor a church right now, but know my heart is not my intention. Uh, but I believe it's why we don't have really true growth in a lot of churches. And all we get is people that left one church and came to this church. They're looking for what is different, but they're finding what they left. Wow. That's good. That's really, really good. Well, you know, and, and Heather seems very upset because we're talking so much about titles. She'd like us to move on, but we're not going to um, because this is my broadcast. This is my channel. And if you don't like it, um, you can just sign off or dislike the page. Amen. Because we're having an important discussion here. And the reality is, if you expect a prophet to act like a pastor, you're going to abuse the prophet. And so titles are necessary in every way. Look at um, look at they're not to be demanded. But but they are they do serve a, a, a purpose. Look in the military. You have uh, corporals, you have uh, lieutenants, you have captains and you have generals and these things because there are ranks in the spirit. The Bible says first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, then miracles and these sorts of things. You know, if you go to a basketball team, well, bless God, uh, one has the title of a center. The other has the title of the coach. Then there's the forward, the small forward, amen, and the point guard. All right. So we have to understand that titles are important because they help us to to identify something that someone is flowing in so that we can receive it. I think it was Jesus. Wasn't it Jesus who said, if we, we should receive a prophet in the name of a prophet so that we can receive a prophet's reward? Am I being a little sarcastic? Not intentionally. I'm emphasizing with my demeanor and my language, a very strong point that we do need to understand how people function. And we put titles on food, don't we? Uh, in the grocery stores, just in Whole Foods today. And there was this one section with these like uh, yellow long things. And there was a sign that titled them bananas. Now, you know, this gives me language for what I'm dealing with. So uh, Heather, sorry to offend you. 
go ahead and uh, and uh, and um, leave if you want to. But it's important. It is important. It is very important uh, that we understand. Now, I am a pastor. I, I'm not a pastor, but I do pastor a church. I have Awakening House of Prayer here in South Florida. Now, most of the people there call me apostle. Some people call me pastor. Uh, some people call me bishop. I don't really care. But the reason and the purpose for titles is important. And we have to also understand uh, Bishop Hammond taught me this many, many years ago. He said, Jennifer, he said, it's important that people do the real true prophets do not disallow people from using that title. It's important that the real true apostles don't reject the title when people want to and choose to call them by that because, because uh, if we only, if we don't receive the title, if we don't accept the title, if we shun the title, guess what? The false ones are taking on the titles. And then how will anybody know what a real apostle or a real prophet uh, look like if, if we don't receive and allow ourselves to be called that? Amen. So I hope that... Um, uh, Heather, uh, as soon as we get off, if you don't leave peacefully, I'm going to block you. Um, you really just need to stop. You're very disrespectful, and uh, there's just no reason for it. So I bless you, but uh, this will be the last broadcast of mine you see on Facebook. Well, it's you know, it's funny. Culture in every aspect has always embraced uh, identification by title, except in the church. It's, wow. it's, really, it's really fascinating. You know, if – let me say it this way first – if Barack Obama comes to your state, no one will call him Barack Obama. Everyone will call him president, but the specific was a former president, Barack Obama. That's right. Or George W. Bush. Is it referenced as George W. Bush? He's referenced as former president Barack, I mean, uh, George W. Bush. And so it's, it's interesting. You have presidents, you have governors, you have representatives, you have senators, you you have, you know, so on and so forth. You have titles that are embraced, but the church is very, you know, anti-titles. But I think you hit the nail on the head. We've become that way because, again, we are validating the authenticity scripturally based off of the faults. People are, there are so many people that will tell you there's no real prophets today. There's no real apostles today. And they base it off of the fact that the scripture talks about false apostles, false teachers, false prophets. Well, here, here's something that we have to take in consideration. If there is a false in our day and time, is there not an authentic? You know, we have to really sit and look and, and evaluate and ask this question. And then we just don't say yes or no. We go back to the scripture and we, we look at the scripture and what the scripture is supposed to tell us to do. First of all, let's think about Thessalonians um, chapter five, very famous passage of scripture. Thessalonians chapter five, 19 says, do not quench the spirit. Now we have used that in a lot of ways talking about, you know, maybe an exciting service or people speaking in tongues or whatever the case, hooping and holler and rolling the floor and all that. And people's like, you shut that down, you're quenching the spirit. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you're not doing that passage of that. However, one of the problems that we have in First Thessalonians 5 is we look at 19 and we separate it from the actual sentence. The sentence actually includes verse 20. It says, actually, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. The, the quenching of the spirit is when we shut down the prophetic. And here again, we have to go back to the word of God. And what is the word of God telling us to do? Now, think about the fact that first John four, verse one says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God or for many false prophets have gone out in the world. We look at that false prophets and say, see, this is why this is all wrong. But wait a minute, John is instructing us to test the spirits because it can be from God. Yes. So we have to take a step back and go, okay, beyond the identity, beyond the titles, beyond all that stuff, we have to look at this and go, what is our responsibility in this? What are we supposed to do when it comes to this? You know, I, I don't know when it happened, but when we begin to test or we begin to discern, 
somehow or another, discernment has become the new word of judgment. If I'm discerning something that is off, people are automatically saying, well, you're judging me. I've just got to the point of saying, okay, yeah, let's call it that. But again, why can we do that? Because we know in 1 Corinthians 14 that the scripture says, judge the word that is being spoken. That's right. Prophets are subject unto prophets. We have to take that step back and recognize not what is in error, but what we're required to do in the midst of error. It's not that we point out error for the sake of saying they're wrong and everybody else is wrong. We're supposed to examine or evaluate, or we'll go a step further and say cultivate in order to reveal what is right, not to expose the error, but to reveal what is right. Mm. How are we not, how are we missing this? We're so hung up on proving that everybody's wrong. We're missing what God is actually saying. And this is a huge problem in the church right now. If you, I'm just going to, because you have a, you have a platform that gets a lot of hate. I mean, let's just face it. You get a lot of hate, but it's wrong. I'll put this on me. It is wrong for me to read one of your words where you say, okay, this is what God spoke to me. It is wrong for me to read that and deem that in error because you are a woman. Come on now. But that's what people automatically do. Then it's wrong for me to read that and know that, okay, you're currently not married. You went through the divorce and you're leading a ministry. Mm, Now, what I'm doing is I'm trying to evaluate a word based on my assumption of who you are. And because of my assumption of who you are, now I'm deeming what is possibly from God as in error. But the reality is I should not be looking at who you are or assuming who you are. I should be looking at the word and evaluating the word based on the word. But the problem is. We're a generation of people that has every access to the written word of God, but we're an ignorant generation when it comes to the word of God. So we don't know how to judge prophetic words from the written word, but we do know how to make assumptions about people because we don't like certain aspects about people. And then we make we become judgmental towards people because we don't agree with whatever they're doing. And therefore, we deem that word as an error. And we call it a false apostle, false teacher, false prophet, whatever the case may be. And we're totally missing it. But it's funny, those same individuals are also the same individuals that will tell me that God can use anybody he wants. If he can use a donkey to speak, he can use so and so and so forth. (laughs) How is it that you would receive a word from a donkey, but you can't receive a word from a woman? I'm just using that for an example. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand our evaluating of the the prophetic right now. I don't understand the evaluating of titles and this and that. This is why we have to get into this hard ground and cultivate it to break it open. Wow. I can't believe, you know, I, 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 somebody's saying I need to let go of offense because you talked about titles so much. And uh, Prophet Wright, I'm not offended with you at all, sir, just because you talked about titles so much. I'm teasing you. There's a few people on here that are really upset. And you know what? The prophetic always stirs warfare. This is why you have to cultivate a thick skin. You have to cultivate an ability just to cut things off, just to let things go, just to leave things behind. If you're going to walk in prophetic ministry, you're going to have people that criticize. They don't like you. They don't like your your hair. Uh, they don't like, you know, they, they might not like that little piece of gray in Prophet Ryan's beard. They might not like his accent from Alabama. They might not like his truck. But you know what? We have to listen for the voice of the Lord. And just as much, I'll say this, and I want uh, Prophet Ryan to tell you where his conference is. I want to say this as much as we have to cultivate an ear to hear from the Lord for ourselves or for other people, we have to cultivate that same ear. So in other words, we're not just cultivating a a prophetic gift. We're cultivating the ability to hear what is from the Lord and what's not. And that's kind of what uh, Prophet Ryan was getting to testing the spirit. So we talk a lot about cultivating the gift, but what about cultivating discernment and an understanding what the will of the Lord is? And Jamie really wants us to prophesy over her and give her a word. <laughs> Thick skin. Listen, as we close here, what, um, what, uh, tell them how they can register for your conference and I'll tell them how they can register for mine. 
If they go to um, the website, ryanjohnson.us, there is a link that says prophetic cultivation. And that link will tell you who the guest speakers are coming to be a part of um, the conference. It's June 13th through the 16th in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Pigeon Forge is in the Great Smoky Mountains. You know, they have tons, millions and millions and millions of visitors that come through the Great Smoky Mountains. Um, this year, we're kind of concentrating on the heart of the blacksmith and the identity of a blacksmith. And I just quickly, you know, explain is I'm thankful for the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, evangelist, all that. I love all that. Uh, but there's a lot of people that aren't that. There's a lot of people that feel like they're getting left behind. But the, truthfully, we need blacksmiths back in the land. And what I mean by that is when David went and fought for Saul and his army, David slew thousands of men, thousands. And everybody cheered David on. But had it not been for the blacksmith who made the sword for David, he would have been insufficient as a warrior. Blacksmiths are people in the church that may never get the credit, may never get the microphone, may never get the platform, may never teach a class. They may never be heard or seen, but they know how to make the weapons of our warfare. They know how to teach people how to pray. They know how to travail. They know how to war. They know how to do the thing. So we're doing all that. And I want to tell everybody that Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, it is free and it is open to the public that those night services are free. However, the school of advancement that we have on Friday and Saturday, the total of nine and a half hours of training and equipping Saturday will include a Q&A luncheon, a luncheon as well. If you register for the school, you will also get an audio recording of every session that is made available. And um, the, the deal is with that, though, the school does have a $99 registration fee. Before everybody gets been out of shape, let me explain <laughs> something. Everybody loves to say the gospel is free, and it is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is free. But the means to make it available are not. You have to remember that when you see the pictures of all the Bibles that are being given to the churches in China, somebody had to pay for those Bibles. Somebody had to pay for the shipping of those Bibles. Somebody had to pay the truckers for that. You take what um, um, Franklin is doing with Samaritan Purse. And even though those those kids receive that stuff free, Somebody had to buy it. Somebody had to ship it. Somebody had to do all that. So here's the truth. $99 for nine and a half hours with a, with a luncheon and audio recording of everything is not that much. But where does the $99 go to? It goes for me to be able to pay for the flight tickets, for, get, for our speakers to come into town, lodging, meals for them, and also a love offering. Every speaker is not coming because of an honorarium. Every one of them is coming based off of a love offering. I'm not keeping the $99 and going live high on the hog. I'm telling you exactly what that is for. So I ask you, don't get religious with me. Don't get bent out of shape with me. I'd love to tell you that everything in life is free, but it's not. I know the government tells you things are free, but it's not. <laughs> Somebody is pr- paying for that. And process in the kingdom. So it's June 13th to the 16th. You can register at ronjohnson.us. Just click prophetic cultivation. Amen, amen, amen. And if you are in London, if you're in France, if you are in Ireland, if you are within flying distance of uh, London, which you will be if you're in Europe, come to the School of the Prophets and Seers in London, May the 10th. It'll be all day long. We're going to be training, pressing in. I'm coming once a month and we're teaching on many different topics. So you'll find that at jenniferleclair.eventbrite.com as well as a whole lot of other things that you can tap into for free jenniferleclair.eventbrite.com. You can also find tons of stuff at schoolofthespirit.tv. Amen. God is good all the time. I bless you and I bless Heather and we bless Yvonne and Millie and Anita and all my friends that are on here today. Holly, Tiffany, hello. God bless you. We'll be back with you soon. Ryan, thank you for being on the broadcast with me. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You can visit me online at jenniferleclair.org or sow into Operation Liberation, our missions arm, at jenniferleclair.org slash missions.
have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.